Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. All right, we're here. We're here with the fun one with Michael and Linda Dunn. We're at the Dunn's house. We're so excited to be here. Um, and just, you know, we're recording this just after Christmas. I can say Christmas is away. She, Linda gets a A-plus for that. Because um, at my house, it takes a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but anyways, we're excited to be here. I'm with, uh, we have Tom and Gary here as well, the full presidency, and then Michael and Linda. And we're going to dive in to the story of the Duns. So we're going to start with Linda. Linda, tell everybody about your early years, where you grew up, and all the fun stuff. Just about me. Mm-hmm. I am a Salt Lake, Utah native, and that becomes more and more um, impressive to me as our state gets so diverse that I grew up here, and I'm from here, and I am proud to be a Utahan. I have a unique story, though, in that um, I don't really, I have pioneer heritage, but my my father lived in central Utah in Sam Peak County, which I'm also very proud to have those roots. Oh, yeah, um, rural Utah. Rural Utah. And he was a turkey farmer, but kind of an entrepreneur kind of guy that wanted to have a city life as well. And he came to the city on occasion as he was getting his degree at the University of Utah. And lo and behold, he met my mother. And my mother was an airline stewardess for United Airlines. Many people in the ward know my mother, Jenny Polson, who attended our ward for many years until just this year. But my dad met my mother at the University of Utah, where she was um, stationed there as a um, United Airlines stewardess. And she just happened to be in a sorority house living for the summer. And he was a Sigma Nu. And I tell that part of my story because my mother um, was not a member of our faith, and she had been raised in San Francisco. So not only did Salt Lake seem small, but let me just tell you that Ephraim, Utah, yeah. in San Pete County, felt very small. Not sure you could get two different places, yes. more different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It speaks volumes of how much my mom fell for my dad because she moved lock, stock, and barrel to Ephraim, Utah. And there she was baptized in the Manti Temple. Well, they got married first. They did get married first. <laughs> And they courted for a while, and instead of going off as a United Airlines stewardess to her next location, she chose and was asked to stay here and marry my dad. And so my background has been interesting growing up in Utah because I had a mother who came from a really different background. And all my life, she's promoted um, such an openness to people from all backgrounds. And the church so welcomed her, but she really was baptized without without knowing a lot about the principles and the doctrine of the church. She knew that she wanted to raise a family in the same religion as my father. And come on, living in Ephraim, Utah, there were 99.5% LDS folks. So my mom grew up in the church um, grew uh, grew into the gospel, teaching primary, being part of callings, and that's where she learned the gospel. And so growing up, um, I went to the temple with my mom and dad when they were sealed about 10 years after they were married, and I was, um, you know, six was years old. Manti Temple? No, so they were, my mom was baptized in the Manti Temple, but then we moved to Salt Lake City oh, okay. when I was a young girl. And so my parents moved into a ward that I would say was as warm and friendly and wonderful as the Nefkes Canyon. Wait, is that possible? I know. It's hard to imagine. (laughs) But the Monument Park Stake, where I grew up, just over up above, you know, 
current Walmart was a wonderful place to grow up. And my parents built a home there. And the rest is history. But those neighbors befriended my folks and helped them not only love being at church, but love being at Lake Powell and love being on the ski hill because these were friends who truly went beyond Sunday and were just wonderful friends to my parents and helped them kind of just change their social group and become part of our ward, go through a temple prep class, and then eventually take our family to the temple. So the ward was recreate together, yeah, play together, hang out, not just the Sunday ward. Yes, yes. So that's kind of the set the stage for me growing up in that family. Um, And I had a wonderful childhood. I'm the baby of three girls, so I'm for sure the spoiled one who had parents who were just in my mind, nothing but fun and perfect and just really great people who loved everyone. Which one was athletic? Oh. You're all, all you girls are runners. And yeah, my, my dad was really the outdoorsy man, but my mom was game for anything and she learned how to do it all. So I was so proud of her, but everything had been new to her and she just jumped in with both feet. Um, but my dad was a really fun dad that way because he started us from the minute we could walk to just come along. And he had no sons. And so I just got raised, Tyler, probably like you're doing with these cute daughters. And you've all done it with your daughters. But I just was included and part of all of it in a really fun way. You had to talk about water skiing at the age of three on no. Jackson Lake. <laughs> and no one, no one even had I motorboats. Was, I think I was four, but um, for sure before I went to kindergarten, when I turned five, my dad, they got me up on water skis. And my dad claims that he was one of the first people to take a motorboat on Jackson Lake and water ski. Well, now, if, you're, if you're willing to get in Jackson Lake, that means you're a tough yeah. girl. <laughs> and it was not February. warm water. It was February. No, it wasn't. It was the summer. Okay, but so yes. That's where your love of Jackson came from. Yes. Way back. Yes. And then my dad was just a skier, and he got us up skiing. He, he had built a ski resort at, down in San Pete County. He had rigged up stuff with his friends, you know, and so they were skiing early on. So as a little kid, I never had the option not to go. And I loved it. And then my dad later became head of all the Intermountain ski racing. He did all the gatekeepers. Oh, wow. So like we just, that's what we did every Saturday. And I loved it. My kids didn't love it as much as I loved it with my dad because it was just so fun. Um, So then, so you're here in Salt Lake and you go to Highland, I'm guessing? Yes. Yes. Highland Ram? Oh, boy. Big time Highland Ram. I loved it so much, Tyler, that I went back and taught at Highland. So I graduated, went to the University of Utah, and I came back three and a half years later as a teacher. And many of my former teachers, ones that were a little older, never could get it in their mind that I actually was now a teacher. And I would get kicked out of the faculty room. They'd be, get out, get out. Students aren't allowed. And I'm like, Dr. Scanland, I teach here now. And she, oh, scat, you're not a teacher. Well, not only teachers, but the students couldn't either. It was problematic when she kept getting invited to homecoming dances. <laughs> oh, you know, she's married. Oh, and, no, boy. but, you know, I did have a fun, a fun time being a teacher at Highland. So, yes, I went to Highland, and I loved it. So then from there, University of Utah, you got your degree, it sounds like, in, it was a... Education. Education. Secondary education. Awesome. Yes, and went right and back to right Highland. And jumped right into Highland. And yes. Taught there. Taught there for... East High, right? Yeah, so Mike, let's get over to, to your early years. And then we're going to come back to the version. Yeah. That, that's important. Well, it's not, it's not quite as uh, amazing a story, but I, I was born in Tucson, Arizona. My, my dad was uh, at the University of uh, Arizona there. 
and uh, spent some early years there. But my uh, my mom and dad divorced, and so I came back to Salt Lake, um, pretty much raised by a single mom, um, raised in the Episcopal Church. In fact, I went to Roland Hall St. Mark's for many of my early preparatory years, which was which was right great. next to East High School. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was the one thing is that um, I sort of realized that if I went on and graduated from there, that you know, my graduating class would have been like 31 people. Mm-hmm. And I think there were 21 girls, 21 of which I didn't have any interest in and no sports or anything. So I, I begged my mom and she somehow acquiesced to let me go to East High as a, as a sophomore. And, uh, and things really started to be a game changer uh, for me. I was around all these kids like Tom, you know, who were Mormons, I was like, man, these, these kids are pretty amazing, you know, and uh, just started to really be influenced by them. Their families had me in. They were nice to me. They invited me on trips, and um, I just became really impressed, you know, with, with the faith. There was just something so different. And then I met this girl um, at a, you know, I had some friends one New Year's Eve who said. Before you were baptized? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, okay. Some friends said, do you, you know, do you want to go to a steak dance on New Year's? And I'm like, great. I love ribeyes as long as it's medium rare. <laughs> they go, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a church thing. It's a, it's a, it's a church dance. So uh, we had kind of one of those really fairy tale meetings right at, right at midnight. Uh, I saw her, went over and asked her to dance. And she was a sophomore. I was a junior. And we started a date right after that. Wow. So, so this is before you were baptized. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so I'm a sophomore in high school, and Mike's a junior, and it really was at the competing high schools. Yes, at the competing high school, but that was well. There's the, no competition. There's <laughs> no, no. That's true. <laughs> that was actually what made those state dances over the Monument Park State really happening events because was they were our two amazing. rival schools. So you definitely went, and I had probably in my sophomore year to that point been on three dates. You know, homecoming. I'd been on, and to have a boy not only meet right after midnight, but say to me at the dance. Like, it really had a spark for both of us. And he said, could I sometime take you out on a date? And that was a really big statement to be asked at that age. And I'm like, yes, you you could take me on a date. And I thought, this is a really good New Year's. This is looking really good for this (laughs) next year. It It didn't start out great, though, because uh, Sister Dunn began our relationship with a fib. Because I said, "Uh, how how old are you, by the way? She goes, oh, I'm a senior. <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, this is, this could be a problem asking out an older woman." Sister Dunn, your rebuttal? Yes, I your can't rebuttal. Rebut. I don't know what came out of my mouth, but it wasn't cool to be a little sophomore. And this was a happening guy that asked me to dance, and so okay, I have so, to be a senior. So you're justifying it because you think that he's such a a catch. He just felt that you needed to say what he needed to. Th- you thought he needed thought. to hear. Yeah. What does the scripture elevate. say? Justify a little, lie a little. Cheat. I just had to elevate it myself. To work, but what was good is by the time I didn't we danced, care if she was a senior in college. <laughs> by the time we danced twice, I became an honest person, and I don't know how, but I did say actually, you asked me to dance the second time, so I'm going to tell you now. I'm just a sophomore, and that didn't seem to bother him. But I really didn't know if I'd see him again. So that is this New Year's night. I go home, and you know, girls talk to their moms, and I said, "Oh, mom, I met the cutest boy. He's from East High, and." This was really fun. So I tell my mother this. I go to bed. You don't think that much about it. The next day, maybe the next day or the next, I don't know, a day or so, it's um, 
Sunday and we are taking down Christmas at my home. And I'm, you know, phones are like different then, right? The phone rings and I hear my mom in the kitchen and I'm just, you know, doing what you do, but I kind of hear and over, I start thinking, she's talking about me. And I can hear her say something and I get in the kitchen just in time to hear my mom say, boyfriend, no, but boy, she just met this really cute boy at East time at the dance. And I'm like, who are you talking to? She <laughs> hangs up and she's just relax, just relax. The seminary president has just called and they're doing the spotlight on different students and they just wanted to know some things about you. I'm like, in seminary? She goes, yeah, they're doing spotlights. And I said, mom, you didn't just tell them that I have this boy at East. And she said, well, that I like. <laughs> I, I, no, it's no big deal. And I'm just like, oh, mom, I'm not going to seminary for oh, a no. long time. So for like the month of January, I'd be like, Friends, I'm not coming over to seminary today, but if they do a spotlight, will you let me know? <laughs> because I'm like so panicked that my mom has given all this information. Well, what I don't know is it wasn't the seminary that had called. <laughs> it was Mike's friend who had met, been with Mike the night we met, and Mike left the dance and said, I want to know more about that, Linda. Doing some recon. Recon. It was before okay. Facebook. The backstory gets better, though, because this friend eventually went into the CIA. Which <laughs> yes. Is this and was the start of it. Yes. And he said, no problem. I'm going to get a dossier on her. I'll get it all figured out. I typed it all up on, like, carbon paper. I still paper. have it. It's on that carbon paper. <laughs> that really? Interest, likes, you know. And so, so the first time when I picked her up, you know, I have the, I have the uh, cassette on everything. And she gets in the car for this date, and uh, a horse with no name from America's plane. She goes, do you Just like America? I go, do you like America? She goes, yeah. I go, they're my favorite. This is incredible. So Couple our whole liars. day, our whole day, he's just <laughs> one thing after another, just that like, classic. I love vacationing in Laguna Beach. I'm like, are you kidding? That's, That's where our family goes. <laughs> Come on. Wow, we've got so much in common. Yeah. So he didn't totally overdo it, but it made what wow. I already liked. Okay, it really greased the wheel. But then I Okay, got time it. out. Hold on. Pause. <laughs> so much to unpack right now. Yeah, I know, but we... <laughs> okay, how long did it take until the truth came out about the, the recon and the CIA oh, and the daughter? that's a good question. Well, like, like any criminal, you go, you take it one bridge too far. And what I did is, I think it was a couple of dates. It was probably, yeah, a month. But so I got we, greedy. I yeah. got greedy. And we're driving home and I go... Let's do something interesting. Why don't we see if we can guess each other's middle name? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're getting greedy. greedy. And she was like, well, there's no way. And I go, well, let's just think it really hard. And let's see if I can get it. She has a really hard middle name, which is Virginia, which it's is her my mom's name. first name. Okay. So we're driving. I still remember we were on I-80. And I go, is it Virginia? And I remembered my mom <laughs> saying my name. I heard it on the phone. Because I remember thinking, they even are going to know my middle name, which I just didn't. And well, I, it just clicked, and I'm like, stop the car, pull over, pull over, and he pulls you up. You almost wrecked like, the whole thing. I know, well, I did. I went, like, time I out. But by then, we had had enough dates, and so I was yeah, actually. Yeah, I don't know really a sophomore. Yeah, but I said, <laughs> okay, if I lied at the first, and now you've done this clever, underhanded thing. We, I didn't do it. I was just the beneficiary yeah. of the information. <laughs> hey. Ox was in the mire. It was. It was already. But there's another piece that happened, and then we'll move off of this. But this is probably the most meaningful. Is that, you know, so I go on this first date with Mike. I've met him at a church dance. And the whole night, I mean, he's charming. Everything's so funny. He knows all these things about me, but he never mentions one thing that makes me think he is a member of my same religion. Oh. And I'm like, wait a second. So that night, I must have asked him, and he said, 
no, actually, I'm not a Mormon. You know, I, I, I've grown up Episcopalian, and I'm thinking... That's what you got out of the car. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that you said Episcopalian, but he just said I'm another religion, so... Well, I think you were so spun out at that moment. Yeah. You couldn't hear what <laughs> yeah. he was really so, saying. So I, again, with the background I grew up with, I thought, I want to bring this boy home. I want my parents to meet him. So mm-hmm. I set this Sunday up. We brings him home. We come and sit around the t- dinner table. And my mom instantly took to Mike. And it didn't take probably five minutes for my mother to figure out that Michael Dunn at our dinner table had grown up an Episcopalian, and my mother was an Episcopalian oh. before she joined the church. And I will just tell you that that night at the dinner table, I, I don't know if I thought it then, but I've thought it many times since. How many girls at that dance would have had a mother that had been an Episcopalian who is now a member of the church? Our meeting was so meant to be, it felt like. And that night, just my mom's commonality with Mike has been such a foundation our whole life for just the connection with my parents, the acceptance of him, him feeling comfortable in she my home. She spoke at my mission farewell. She spoke at his <laughs> mission farewell. Oh, isn't that great? And she's always said we were just a bunch of piskies, not to be irreverent to the Episcopal Church. But my mother just made it so comfortable. It wasn't coincidence. It wasn't coincidence. That's, that's I mean, no. 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 And so you had this early confirmation that, hey, yeah. there's something here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And the final little just piece to this whole story that's great is this friend who did go to the CIA, lives back east now, happened to be in Johannesburg when we were on our oh, wow. missions there, coming through, and we got together for dinner, and we laughed so hard about the whole thing again, you know, all these 40 years ago, yeah. that just we that, barely yeah. could eat dinner, we were laughing so hard. Yeah, just again, his role in all of it, it's just been priceless, you know, it's been priceless. That okay. is so good. That is so good. Okay, so, all right, so now... Now we're moving over to mission. Let's go to your, your mission. So you, wait, you no, no. Those, you haven't got baptized yeah. yet. Yeah, started. so just quickly. So I, um, I really was intrigued. Uh, Tom, you can probably relate to this. I was intrigued by this Mormon stuff because mm-hmm. there was people were so amazing. But I just thought, if only they could get over this church thing, they would just be, you know, amazing people. Mm-hmm. So I began a very thorough investigation, which meant I went to the Episcopal Bishop of Utah, which would be like calling mm-hmm. President Ballard now and saying, I want an interview with you. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I said, yeah, I just got all these questions. And <clears throat> so Linda's family said, well, that's great. If you've got questions, we have these guys that that's their job in the church. They work in pairs and they answer questions about the church. So the missionaries uh, started teaching me. And uh, at first I was just like, I mean, just determined to prove them wrong and You know, because there's two more souls I wanted to save, you know, Mm -hmm. the folly of their way. Mm -hmm. But they just raised such incredible issues. And I won't go into everything, but things I'd always felt and believed, like the nature of God and Jesus Christ as real, tangible people. Um, And apostasy and a restoration. I mean, I could see all this stuff happening. And I did have that appointment um, with the Episcopal Bishop. Great man. Didn't have a single answer or rebuttal to anything that I was being taught. I came back, really um, made it a matter of earnest prayer, just like Moroni asked us to do. And I knew that this was what I was going to do. This is this, you know, this was this was my future. This is what I had to do. So um, I ended up being uh, baptized at 18. And um, I think my mom thought it was a passing fancy until a year later at 19, I went on a mission. 
which was totally transformative for me. Uh, just unbelievable experience because it really gave me the opportunity to really learn the gospel. And also, what was her reaction when you told her? Um, not happy. Not happy. But she also kind of knew that it was coming. I felt she was prepared, so she yeah. wasn't. She wasn't a huge blockade, but she wasn't um, very supportive. Yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't good. Is she still alive? Uh huh. So she can see the fruits. Or did she? Yeah, she's not a member of the church, okay. but I'll I'll tell you. Uh, she's okay with it. We've just seen that we we're called as mission leaders, and just how excited she was. Just like this is a really good thing, you know. She's. She's seen our lives, and not that we have perfect lives, but I think the gospel, the framework of the gospel, has helped us, our children, our grandchildren. So, proof's in the pudding. Yeah. So, what about Linda in this? Were, were you dating at this point? Were you okay? So, when you told her you were getting baptized, what was her reaction? She, she, I think she was happy. <laughs> happy, of course. Yes. This is where she, you did all the recon and. Told the missionaries what they needed to hear. You know hear? what I really loved? I would say <laughs> this, though, is that I felt really lucky that I came into Mike's life early on, that we've traveled this journey together. Mike would have joined the church with or without my role. Mm -hmm. I'm, there's no question about that, but it was so special for me, my family. Um, again, I come from a family of girls, so this honestly was like a boy that my, my parents really adopted Mike in so many ways. He was so part of our family. I never took any other boy. Once I met him, he's the only boy that ever came on any family vacation. Mm -hmm. He had staying power. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I was young. See, I, was a, I really was a sophomore. So by the time he left on his mission, I was still a senior in high school, and he was at the U. So of course I'm going to, you know, date and be, a, be around. Breaking and, news. Um, she dated. No, so. it's, it's not breaking news because we were both involved in the Greek system at, at the University oh, of Utah. Yeah. I was a proud Sigma Chi. And as a service project, just to make sure I was the one, she dated every one of my fraternity brothers. <laughs> which I would get regular letters on from other people. Hey, I thought you and Linda were a thing. She's dating so-and-so. Oh, no, okay. I just did the right thing of being balanced and having a lot of fun. But yeah, so... So I wrote him all during his mission. I never had a dad or brothers that went on a mission. So it was really special for me yeah. to experience the mission through Mike and his letters. And it was awesome. And he got like, being called to the Hawaiian Honolulu mission. Oh, yeah. We all thought, even his family, who were not members, thought, well, wait, maybe we will join a church if you get to go to Hawaii. <laughs> but really, it was the perfect people for him to serve and learn about the gospel from, the Polynesian people. Um, just were transformative, as you said. So, Elder Dunn, tell, tell us about your mission in Honolulu. Well, a couple of things. Uh, I, I really did. I have this incredible affinity for Polynesian people. Uh, my kids think I was actually Polynesian in the pre-mortal existence. Mm -hmm. I just came down the wrong chute at the last mm -hmm. minute. Uh, because I love, I love everything about it. It's so deep in my, and, and even to this day when I'm there, I, 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 I just get overcome emotionally with, the land, the place, you know, the people. It's just, it's a part of my DNA. I just had a phenomenal experience. I had great trainers that came into my life. Like I said, during study time was the first time I really had a chance to read the Book of Mormon, read the New Testament. Really, I was like, wow, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I'd tell my companions, you know, there, have you have you heard uh, about this King Benjamin guy? They're like, we've had that our whole lives, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I, and, and, and by the way, I never, I told one companion that I, I was a convert. I didn't tell any of the others. So they were always like surprised stuff I didn't know. And, you know, well, also it was Elder Dunn and it was right during the height of, 
other Pauline yeah, Dunn. Heyday of so everybody thought oh. that that name of Dunn would be today yeah. like a name that felt common. Yeah, yeah. But um, I did. I just I just had unbelievable. Well, I call them ensign-like experiences, worthy of ensign articles. You know, all the time, transformative and 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 actually, I just had a phenomenal mission president who was more dad than mission president to me, mm-hmm. who just modeled what it meant to be uh, a great guy, valiant priesthood holder, and just embodied everything that I, I wanted to, to be when I got home. So I had all these models yeah. know, before me. Just on the main island, or did you get to... I had a, that, that was part of the fun. I started uh, on Kauai, which nobody ever got to go to the Garden Island. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were six missionaries the entire time there. And uh, so that's where I just really got, because Im- it was in a very remote little sugar so town. So probably more natives there yeah, than Yeah, I got anything. really immersed in Hawaiian yeah. culture and a companion who loved Hawaiian also. So he taught me how to speak conversational Hawaiian. And and just the whole thing was just, you know, so rich and, and, uh, and so wonderful to me. And then I, when I did go back to Oahu, um, Elder John Groberg, who many people know, legendary Elder Groberg, was the area president. And I had the... Amazing experience of, uh, I was sort of sent by Elder Groberg, myself and Elder House, to go try to work on his, the one member of their family who was not a member of the church. He was this very stubborn Marine in Kaneohe. And uh, we went and somehow clicked and connected. And and, uh, a month and a half later, he was baptized. So we had a really powerful experience there. In fact, Elder Groberg uh, performed our ceiling, which was really sweet Mm. to us, you know, those, those many years later. That is awesome. So... Just had rich, really wonderful experience, which is one of the reasons why I'm just such a proponent of young men and young women going on missions. It's it's yeah, life. So you have young men, young women listening to this right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it, tell them. Well, you you just can't imagine what's there, and and what I love to talk about is uh, it sounds like always oh, this glamorous like two years of of surfing through Hawaii. Nope. Mm. It was hard, and I was discouraged, and there were moments of frustration. Now, the weather was always pretty perfect. (laughs) It did dip to 67 one time. I thought I was going to (laughs) freeze. But um, that's where I grew, you know? And, and, you know, it's by going through these hard things that you really grow and and learn resilience and diligence and and all these things that really, I think, have shaped my life and, and who I am today. Nobody can take it away from you. No, no. And it's just foundational, like yeah. your service in Japan or, you know, yeah. you, you just, you can't explain to people, but missions are meant for you. I, I really think the way they're tailored, the experiences, the people you run into, your, your mission leaders, it, yeah. it was phenomenal. So Linda, he comes home and how long did it take him to say, hey, let's um, get married? You know, I love that we had, we took a whole year before we got married. Mike came home and was a tennis pro, tennis camp pro um pro um in california which was smart he did that as a little bit of a I left transition town. and i had really pushed through the u um and i was ready to by the time we got married i had graduated and i was starting my student teaching at highland so even though he was still had a little bit of school um i think we we started off in a we had we took a little bit of time okay and um and then but then we were still young i mean we were still sure. barely 20 22 years old mm-hmm. um which I look back and in many ways I'm grateful that we were as young as we were mm-hmm. to start off and start our life together. Um, 
And we, I was teaching at Highland, and then we lived really close to Highland High School. We bought our first house, and it wasn't too long after. We had a house by East, a house by Highland, and then we moved out here by Skyline. And it felt really, for us, it felt like we were moving so far south mm -hmm. to move from the Highland East area. How are you going to drive that far now? I mean, it used to be like, you know, the gully, and you'd come across the gully, and Skaggs and these big stores were over here, and it felt a long ways away. And so for us, that was like a big move to move away from where our parents had lived. And um, so we bought a home, and it was this third home that was here in the Skyline area where we started our family. And it was just down the hill in this same stake on Ceres Drive close to the um, elementary school. Okay. So really, this, this was all part of, but at that time, you may know this, um, these were two stakes, yeah. the North Stake and the Mount Olympus Stake. And we, we had three little children in that um, house just down the street from here. And Bob Rice was the stake president in this area. And Mike and I were just so mentored, just like right now in this ward by just the most mm -hmm. wonderful people that lived in the cove. And mm -hmm. it was just such a great place. But we, as much as we loved it, we lived there for 10 years, had all three of our children. And my parents had now moved to Park City. They'd sold their home in the city, and they had um, a home on the golf course in Park City. And we were up there so much with them that we ended up buying a home up there. And we moved away from the cove, and we lived in a fun we had horse property, and we were in Park City. We'd go skiing after school. My parents lived close, and it was so fabulous. But I will just tell you that it wasn't as fabulous as here. <laughs> and we loved it. We loved that period of time when my mom and dad were healthy and skiing every day, and our kids, we loved it. But I could see very quickly we were coming back. Yeah. And yeah. so we came back. And that's now we've been here in this house for I cannot even believe, almost between 25 and 30 years. And, um, and we raised our family here. They were, so three kids. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your kids. Yep. So we have two boys and a girl. Okay. And our two boys, um, Jeff and Brady, and they are going to be, um, Jeff will be 40 in this next, not this year, but we're coming up on having a child be 40, which feels unbelievable. Mm. Um, so Jeff lives in Virginia, and they have four little children. Brady, our son that will be 37, lives here in Cottonwood Heights. Mm -hmm. And both of these sons lived in our home when we were on our mission. So ward members know them and they love not only growing up here, but living here for a spell. Um, so Brady lives here with four children. And then our daughter, our only daughter, Emmy, has um, moved to California right when they got married. And she's lived in the Bay Area. And now she lives in Southern California in a fun place to visit in Newport Beach. Oh, that is fun. And she just had her fourth baby. So our three children so each have four. So we've got 12, 12 grandchildren. And we just blessed our most recent little baby, Cal Rigby, who is two months old in our home here on Sunday. Oh, that is so, awesome. So our children bless our lives. Um, I think uh, reality for us is they live coast to coast, 3,000 miles apart. And it's not been what I had planned. You plan that you'll have your children around you and and have them running up in, in your house all the time. And we, um, we take what we get and we love it, but they are, they're having wonderful experiences, um, in wonderful places. And we're grateful for that. So you plan deliberately though, to go visit them. So, yes. I mean, there is that part of yes. it, right? And we love that. And they're building a temple in Richmond, Virginia that opens mm -hmm. in March. 
And Emmy lives um, a, a five-minute walk from the Newport Beach Temple. Mm. And um, oh, wow. it's just been wonderful for them. And then it's great that Brady lives here. So. Did you get them back all for Christmas? or We got two. We had two of the three. Oh, good. It's sometimes hard for a little family in Virginia to come all the way. It's a long way. Yes. Especially don't do it on Southwest. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Good advice. Yes. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Elder Dunn, why don't we uh, let everybody know about your uh, profession? Um, we, we obviously know about Linda and teaching. What, what have you done? Well, let me just add with Linda, she never talks about this, but uh, she got a master's degree and at the University of Utah ran the Lowell Benyon Community Service Center, which is a huge service learning program, one of the models in the entire country. What is it called? Lowell Benyon Community okay. Service Center. She okay. was just a master at that. And then most recently was was the uh, interim uh, director of alumni relations at the University of Utah. Yeah. So. She is much loved there, and uh, were, were it not for my busy schedule right now, she would probably still be there um, doing a lot of that stuff. But um, my background has been in, in uh, uh, communications, film, TV, um, advertising. Uh, <clears throat> I spent much uh, of, of my career with my own company, which our son Brady now runs, called Dunn Communications. And he's doing a great job with that. And the latter part of my career, I had the great privilege of, of first of all, being able to uh, run KUED at the University of Utah. And then after our mission was was asked to um, take over the reins at BYU TV uh, in Provo, which was a marvelous experience, uh, which which I had uh, for four years before they put me out to pasture. So that, but but hold on, because that was such a big deal that they actually brought you home a little early, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. How did we, that all go down? Well, it, that was that was a little bit of a tough situation, uh, as as uh, Tom knows. You know, you get down to that last year on your mission, you're just like, you know, the missionaries you're going home with, everything is great, and one one day we we get on a video call with uh, it was only uh, Elder Holland and then Elder Oaks. And the president of BYU, Kevin Worthen, mm, no big deal. Who said, "Yeah, we 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 uh, would like you to come home and and you know run BYU TV." And I said, "Well, uh, this was January, wasn't it? it? Was January?" And the hard part of that is, I said, "Of course, we'll do whatever you want us to do." But um, and it's really hard to negotiate with apostles. Like you don't just say, "Well, uh, okay, how about this then?" You know. But it was so sweet because I think Elder Oaks could really see just how, I mean, he could sense this. We were not disappointed, but we were shocked. You know. and, yeah. So he took this long pause in the middle. Of this. He goes, I'll tell you what, what if we brought you home in April instead of July? You'd only be home 90 days early. And Linda was off screen just going, yes, yes, tell him yes. You know? <laughs> right before the call, we had talked about it and I said, it's January. Like, this just doesn't feel right. You know what would feel right is if it were April 1st. Like, I could she do said April. That. And then we get on the call, and he says, how, how does April sound? And I'm no in the background going, are that's you it. kidding? Like, that's amazing. Um, so that's it just, it. again, felt really comfortable to us. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a challenge even coming home three months uh, early. And, to uh, you know, we're University of Utah people. We didn't know BYU. Uh <laughs> And a little bit culture shock that way, but um, I'll have to tell you, I just was so smitten with the process of what we were doing at BYU, and just became a uh, a great fan as as uh, 
I, I try to explain it's just like loving two different children. You know, they're, they're different in so many ways, but you just yeah. come to love and appreciate them. And I just had a marvelous uh, experience there as we kind of um, kind of led a retooling, a, a reorganization of, of yeah, BYU what, TV. What, what's happened at BYU TV over the last several years has been nothing short of a awesome yeah. well the miracle is we've been able to find all these great people yeah. who are who are now running it and really doing an amazing job yeah there's a lot of a lot of good things going on there that yeah. you got going so 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 sister don we got to get back now to your mission leader experience uh tell everybody where that was and a little bit about that well as mike just set the stage you know we were both we had just um had our third child our daughter get married and we really honestly were feeling like okay life's at a super good place right now <laughs> mm -hmm. we both have these awesome jobs we're working mm -hmm. we um have fabulous new in-law children good income and mike just <laughs> finished being a state president in the university so we just are back in the nefs canyon ward like life was feeling sweet so I don't know, you know, how it I had happens. Slade in my Sunday school yes. class. But yes. we are just in a sweet spot and thinking, please, not even thinking it would change. And so those calls when they come that are different than when you sign up to say, we'd like to serve a senior mission, mm -hmm. it comes unexpectedly. And I, I just um, am so impressed in the church how people do what we say. They consecrate their time and talents, but it doesn't just come overnight. Mm -hmm. And probably not as much, it didn't come overnight for me because I was working full-time at the U, loving this job. And we got asked, um, not like, would you go right now, but would you consider, would this work for you? And if it would, when would it work? And um, so it was a little bit of a surprise. And for us, it didn't work to go like, to shut down shop right then and go. And so for us, it was like a year, mm -hmm. a little bit over a year process. But I will just tell you personally that in that year, it's really amazing how the Lord puts things in place that I personally couldn't see falling into place. And did they fall into place? Absolutely. And it was actually really uh, amazing um, just process for me, just faith promoting, just the seeing how it all fell together. Mm -hmm. And then this mission call came in a big brown envelope, and I was sure it would be Idaho, Sacramento, someplace super mm -hmm. close, mm -hmm. um, because that just felt easy for our children to access us and when it said you, neither, well you have a little bit of foreign language but it was we Hawaiian. Had no language we knew it was yeah. english speaking we yeah. were called to an english okay. speaking okay. so we had looked at every english speaking mission yeah. Yeah. and there were so many so close to home mm -hmm. and um when we opened the paper and it said johannesburg south africa i really thought I'm going to faint. Like, it's exciting because it's, it's, you know, out there, far away. But I ha we had zero connection to it. And wow. it felt just like, okay, who's going to come and visit us there? Yeah. It felt far away. And um, it was exciting, but it didn't, it, it was sort of like, it didn't really resonate for like, why there? Why would we go there? And I think that was the beauty of it is, um, Oh my goodness, it was so right for us. It was so the place we were supposed to go. And it was fun to live into that, you know, to go on faith and then to see it. And we had a marvelous experience. It wasn't easy. Oh. I would say it is not easy to do all the things you do, to leave and go. And then we had both had a fabulous marriage and life together and working, but we'd also done very, I mean, very independently different things. And suddenly now we're like, Okay. You're married 
during the day too now. Yes. And you're, you're negotiating all this stuff. And Mike was very patient. He, um, you know, it wasn't as easy for me. And I kind of let, I, I don't just zip it up. I let it out if things, if I'm not thinking it's all just exactly how it should be. <laughs> About a year into the mission after things had really calmed down, I'm like, so what's been the hardest part of this mission so far? And he's like, are you kidding it's for sure been you. Like, you've been the hardest part, and you're getting better now. And I said, really? It's been me? I don't believe well, that. Well, that's actually good because it's a process. Yeah. But I think that process also helped me really help missionaries that were having a struggle or that um, were growing into loving the experience because I could be like, oh, I, I get that. I have felt that. My heart has turned. And I lit, I used that to my advantage because it really did help me. And I loved it so much, but I had to learn to love it. <laughs> yeah, and I, th I think in fairness, you know, she didn't serve a mission as a young person, so it was foreign. Uh, South Africa is about as contrast with what we have here as you can imagine. It's so polar opposite. It was in really... In ways, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I will say she just grew into this just legendary, fearless you know, Sister Dunn was just known throughout the mission. We'd go tracting in malls, and she was just, you know, you talk about yeah. being unafraid yeah. to open your mouth and talk to people. It. And this is someone who, as hard as it was, sobbed when we were going home, sobbed her eyes out that we were going home. Yeah, I loved it. I loved the 450 missionaries from 32 countries. They, um, We had a lot of African missionaries, which was so awesome, but a lot from North America. It was just the, the how, what percent were African roughly? Um, when we got there, about one third of the we had a complement of continent. about two hundred from the continent. Yeah. From the continent of Africa, but by the time we went home, about fifty percent were from Africa. So more African wow. elders are being called, and they're staying so in Africa. It's growing. Yes, and they were just so marvelous. Um, just we just learned so much. And we just developed so many dear friends. In fact, the Beaners and us share uh, friendship with a family that's typical of the, just the great people we met in. In fact, they were here last week from and South Africa. And the Beaners really helped baptize. Yeah. They're still here. They're coming for dinner Monday. So good. Um, the Beaners helped baptize this young South African woman, and she went on and had her family, and you just show the multiplying effect. Their just, third son on a mission right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's she was baptized in our ward, in our font. Yeah. And so it was just kind of another thing that was meant to be. Yeah. Wasn't he your counselor? Yeah. He was one of my counselors yeah. in the mission presidency, yeah. And if I remember right, uh, uh, the blacks, brother and sister black, were tied to your mission as well. And the, the blacks are so typical of the great people in this ward. You know, that's a funny story. I, I One Sunday morning, because it it's about an eight-hour time difference, I'm on our phone, our internet phone, and Linda goes, who are you calling? I said, I'm calling Richard and Kathy Black. Well, what for? <laughs> Tell them we need them. We need a senior couple here, you know? Wow. And it was so sweet. She was like, don't do this, you know? And uh, I talked to Kathy, and I said, Kathy, th this is so out of left field, but we need you here. Have you ever thought about a mission? And she said, Richard and I were just talking about it right when you no called. No way. And, you know, Richard had an incredible surgical practice he had to wrap up. But within, what, six months, they were in the mission and held down one of our five hours away from the mission home. They were the de facto mission leaders and much loved and beloved, almost like mission leaders because of just being the great people oh, yeah. Richard and Kathy are. Totally can see that. Yeah. Well, when you leave on a mission, a lot of people say to you one of two things. Hey, you know, we are not sure what life will bring, but in these three years you're there, maybe we'll come and serve with you. Or they'll say, 
we'd sure love to come and visit, you know. And the Blacks had said, Kathy had said to me, like, Richard might be retiring in the next couple of years. Oh, how we'd love to come on a mission and maybe. But then, you know, like a year had gone by and Mike's like, I'm calling him. I'm going to call him today. And I'm like, no, no, you don't just call him today. Like, let's just wait and hear from them. No fear, remember? I know. (laughs) But then for him to call and have Kathy say, just today we're talking about yeah. this. Coincidence, we're right? We're coming. Yeah. And they yeah. were such a blessing and a tie to this neighborhood. It, it was so... We loved every senior couple. We loved all the people, but the blacks being there... Yeah, they were answers to prayers. Yeah. It was super yeah. special. Well, Natalie's father, Carl Cook, was in the uh, area presidency down there. Oh. And he couldn't say enough about the Duns. Yeah. You know, the feedback we were getting through Natalie. Well, there's another tie, you know, with, mm-hmm. with Natalie and Nate. But we, you know, the, the cooks, again, were just such mentors to us. Yeah, you know? we could not say enough about them. And I had met Natalie before we even went. And I knew that her parents were, you know, on a mission somewhere. And for that to then be the people that were the area presidency for us was just, another. it was so special. Yeah. I think Elder Redmond was the area president yeah. at the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. It's powerhouse. Yeah. It was, it was just, it's, it's like the very thing this podcast does, you know, it just yeah. connect, people yeah. get connected yeah. with yeah. each other and they learn and then you never know how that connection will play out in the future. And it just shows God's hand in our lives. There's no doubt. I it's remember just, when, when, when you guys came home and had your homecoming in Nest Canyon sacrament meeting. And of course, if you remember the army of <laughs> missionaries that were there and fam- I mean, it was an army. It was all, it was stake conference type army and then you you all got up and had your mission song yeah and i'm just like (laughs) this is awesome (laughs) remember that yeah it was so powerful Mm -hmm. well i gotta hear more about that song but anyways go ahead well it's gone away now but uh well it's just the half that lived here yeah Yeah, that's what's interesting that was a small percentage who happened you know happened to be here but Again, we've talked about all these connections, but Abby, your own, you know, Abigail, mm-hmm. we knew her mission president in, in Michigan. Yeah, that's true. You know, and we had a great connection there. So it's just, it's interesting, the, the tapestry of, of interwovenness, mm-hmm. right, w- within this ward. So you've been in the ward, or in this home, 25 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going so on. How many years have you actually attended the ward? Have you figured that out? <laughs> Oh, I hope it's been half less the time, half, right? but it's less than half it's the time. It's such a joke. We, we it's had, been such <laughs> a joy when we're here. Yeah, we've we've been shipped out all over right to on. the university and and uh, had great experiences there as a, as a, in a married student ward, yeah. uh, as a bishop, and then as a stake president in a singles ward, and then got to serve uh, the holiday YSA stake president. So but let me just say this: for all the time we've been away. We feel so part of the fabric yeah. of this ward, this neighborhood. You don't have to be there every Sunday to be so part of it. And yeah, and even living away three years, I think um, the Neffs Canyon, the people, <coughs> it kept me, it kept my heart beating and me alive, knowing that I had a home to come out, come home to in a neighborhood of people I love so much. Yeah, you know it's amazing. We have a lot right now currently that you know or have callings outside yes. of of uh, the stake and. This ward always just generates that type of leadership and willingness to go it serve does. and do whatever it takes, right? It's really neat. Mm-hmm. The very first podcast we did was uh, Brother and Sister Stoker, who you know have now been so. out on their assignment. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, it's uh, it, it's it's been awesome to to be in this ward for sure. It's a deep bench here it in Neff's yes. Canyon. Yes. Yeah, there's no doubt. 
So I think some of the ward members would like to hear a little bit about what your current calling entails as, you know, maybe explain that to everybody. Well, um, so I, so I'm currently serving as a general authority 70 and, um, you, every year you could be assigned anywhere in the world right now, uh, at, at least until later this spring. Um, I, I work, uh, with assignments, uh, in communications for the church. Um, I head up the native American committee for the church and then I'm in the area presidency of the North America Southwest area presidency. So, I'm a counselor in that presidency, which means I'm almost every weekend in Texas or in Arizona or Nevada or New Mexico. A state conference? State conferences, mission tours. We get to work with, with uh, the mission leaders in those areas. And um, it's just, it's really a lot of fun that way, other than never being here, other yeah. than, you know, uh, during the Christmas holidays, it's sure been fun Does to be Sister Dunn get to go with you sometimes? She does, although I'm going to seek a ban on that because when she speaks, she's so good. <laughs> I have to follow her and I think, what have I got, you know? Yeah. We've had fun doing as much of it together as we can, and we never would have thought we'd be doing this, but having served a mission and having such great area presidents like the Cooks, it's really a wonderful opportunity to do what was so meaningful to us, and that is step in and support these mission leaders. And now that we're in an area you go back to the same people. And so it, 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 before that, sometimes it feels like you love the weekend, but you'll never see the people again. Yeah. Um, whereas a, a presidency calling is so sweet because you're, we're really able to support these wonderful mission leaders and do what people did for us. Mm -hmm. um, and at the stage of life I'm in, I can go with Mike. And so I take as much opportunity as I can. Yeah, and we absolutely. really, we've really loved it. Um, but it is every year. It's a little bit like we're stepping into this year, thinking you don't know because it changes every it, year. It change, and it may stay the same. We're kind of hoping that it will stay the same because we now know all these people in this area. Mm -hmm. But you just don't, you know, we don't know for sure. Good so luck. it makes you carpe diem, <laughs> like live in the heart of every day and love it as though you're not going to be here, but it, assume that you are. You know, one thing about it, people often ask, so what's been the biggest surprise to you? And the hard thing for us is the downside of being in the Neffs Canyon Ward is the bar is so high here mm -hmm. in terms of people, the way we serve and love each other. I literally go into every stake I'm going to, in fact, I'm leaving tomorrow for San Antonio. And I just think, will there be any good people here? I mean, do you think there'll be... <laughs> are there any left? Are there any Neffs Canyonites? You know, that are, <laughs> and, and I will say it's the, yeah. it's the great, great miracle of the church. I come away every weekend just going, wow, I hear people's stories and I meet people and I'm just like... What a fun calling. There are such awesome oh, people everywhere. And yeah. we honestly say, as much as we love it here, we honestly say every time we could live in this area. We could live here. We could live here. The people in the church, the leadership of the church, wherever you go, you are just like this. Is, these are quality people mm. that are inspired solid, by God. And really you feel solid. it everywhere we go. And that's really reassuring. We love that. Wow. Tom, anything to add? Um. I first met Mike, I'm suspecting about 2001, I met you at a condo. At, you you came, we, when we lived in Park City, we owned a condo at Cove Point. Yeah. It was kind of our Salt Lake place. We met there, and uh, I think we called you into the Young Men's or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, the State Young Men's Presidency. And, uh, 
It was a bad day for you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I've always admired both of you so much. My wife always speaks so highly of Linda and wishes she had the ability to speak and be as articulate as you are. Mm. And uh, we just love you and appreciate and appreciate you and your wonderful children. I think Brady and Seth are pretty close in yep, age. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And Jenny and Jeff were the same age in oh. school, and they went to a dance together once just as dear friends, and they went on youth conferences, and your children have so influenced our children for good, and, and me. I've backpacked with many of those women in your family, yeah. and they are hearty. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Tom and Barbara who gave us faith, like, okay, they went as mission leaders, maybe we can do this. We can't be as good as them, but if they did it, maybe we can do it. Well, yeah, I'm sure that we were pretty much novices yeah. when we went out. And yeah, you, you think the brethren are going to send you home because you're family. <laughs> I keep thinking, I could be fired here. And every week, we just waited for that pink slip. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful. Uh, well, I could see why we are like, hey, can we keep this to an hour? No, we can't. We could go on forever and ever and ever. There's so much to talk about and then to unpack and talk about and unpack. There's just so much. So this has been wonderful. I think we'll, uh, we, but we got to ask our final question. So, Sister Dunn, a hundred years from now, um, long after we're gone, long after we're gone, <clears throat> and you've got your posterity who's, listening to this very podcast, and they don't know who you are, what would you want them to know? Speak to them right now. I feel so blessed to have lived a life in the time period I have and to have the children and grandchildren and posterity. Um, and I hope that they know that of all the things of worth in my life, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been at the center. And it's helped me in every role I've had and everything I've done. And I'm just so grateful for the knowledge of um, just my divine nature and the inheritance that I have as a daughter of God. I have felt that presence in my life from a little child. And I've been so grateful for the gospel, for the ability to be baptized and to be married in the temple. And all of these ordinances have not just been things that happened to me, they've been guideposts and they've helped navigate. And I would hope my posterity would um, call me down from heaven when they have times of need because I'll be there. I'll be watching them. I believe in all the aspects of, um, the, of our pre-mortal and our earthly and our um, existence that goes beyond the veil. And I, I felt the presence of my ancestors, and I hope they feel my presence and know that God lives and loves them. And for whatever the crazy world is doing, it's even more evidence that there's a God above. And I, I just testify of that and have such a love for my Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Elder Dunn, your turn. Um, I would want them to know, first and foremost, that I'm a believer. And I'm a believer from the standpoint that I've just seen way too many evidences of the goodness, the reality of our Heavenly Father and Jesus to ever deny that or to ever be able to walk that back. I would want them to know that I love them and that um, my message would be carry on, uh, you know, as, as they no doubt face the travail and, and issues and problems that I can only imagine. What did you say, 100 years? 100 years. 100 years from now. 100 years. I so, mean, yeah. 
20, what would that be? 21, 23? Yeah, it could just be a, a calamitous you know, time. Yeah. But I hope that they, like me, will lean hard into their faith uh, in, in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and understand that He really is the source of, of happiness and, and all the joy and all the blessings that we want in our lives. And although it, there's going to be hard times and difficult times, um, if, if we have that understanding in our life, there's, there is one who's, who's mighty to save, uh, as, as the prophet Isaiah said, who, who's going to really be there for you uh, in, in those times of doubt uh, and uncertainty. And I think it's that great thing. It's, it's you know, 2 Nephi 25, understanding that, you know, the, the reason we talk of Christ and rejoice in Christ and preach of Christ is so that our posterity will understand to what source they can look for that remission of their sins. And I pray they're doing that. And I pray that they're also finding the, um, the, the great satisfaction that comes from being a disciple of, of Jesus Christ. Love it. What a special night. I can definitely feel the spirit now pouring in. It's been here. Uh, what a wonderful home uh, and, and family and life you have built. So thank you for allowing us in to do this.